0: Good morning. My name is Miles. This morning our scripture reading is from Psalms. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading from the chapter eight one eighteen selected verses from the English Standard Version. Oh give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. It's amazing to see Miles up here reading scripture. I remembered as I was sitting there, when I first came, he was about this tall. It's just amazing. Now we both look about the same age. It's crazy. Um, I have heard it said that one of the ways that, uh, one of the goals in life should be to find our sermon, that everybody has one sermon, some truth in life, some growth point. Uh, that really kind of uh, is summarized in one way that you need to grow and be challenged, and uh, and I think we struggle with that. But Ron Johnson, who's our speaker for today, I think he's found his sermon, and I'm excited for you to hear it.
2: Good morning. As uh, Peter said, I'm uh, Ron Johnson. I'm not one of the pastors here. I'm I'm on the leadership team, but I was coerced into preaching by one of the pastors. (laughs) Peter sent an email to the uh, leadership team asking, hey, does anybody want to preach? And I said, well, you know, maybe sometime. Only if uh, I could preach on the Psalms and only if I could meet with you first Five minutes later, a response email comes, and it's, great, you're booked for July 7th. So here we are. I was uh, raised in the church, so I view this opportunity as just a tremendous honor, and I really don't feel worthy to be standing here, and I shared that with Peter, and what he shared back to me was really helpful. He said, Ron, get over it. Actually, he was way more pastorly than that. I think that's a word, pastorly. He explained how the pulpit is a symbol of where people stand, open God's Word, and read it, and it's only God's Word that makes any of us worthy. Having said that, I'd still ask that we pause and and pray. Dear God, only you can make these next few minutes worth anything. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to come to this place at this time and in this moment to speak to us as only your Holy Spirit can. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why the Psalms? Well, Psalms is my favorite uh, Old Testament book. It's the longest book in the Bible with 150 chapters. Uh, A fun fact, another fun fact is the Bible is 20% Psalms. Psalm actually means a sacred song or hymn. And I forgot who said this, but it's been said that God made the Bible 20% psalms because He knew it would be the songs we sing that will bring us closer to Him. And that's how vital, Katie, your ministry, along with the worship team and the production crew, that's how vital your ministry is to us. I hope we realize that. One of Israel's kings several millennia ago was David. Uh, He wrote much of the Psalms, and I really identify with David. David was into worship music. I love love worship music. In fact, a song will be part of this sermon. David was a leader. I've been a sales leader for most of my career. Uh, David wasn't perfect. A big check on that one. Acts 13.22 says that David was a man after God's own heart. I would love that to be said about me. I remember I was in a small group uh, led by a former pastor here, Pastor Eric, and it was at the beginning of the small group time, and uh, we were doing some team building, I think. Uh, He had asked us, if we were to die and and they make a tombstone for you, what do you want written on it? What's your life slogan, if you will. So I thought about it, and I said, I would want four words. He walked with God. And then, of course, we had to explain why we chose that. So I said, walking with God means you're actively doing something. You're making progress. Walking with God means you have company while you're doing it. You're never alone. And walking with God means that you have an ultimate Destination in view. So, yes, I do want to be a man after God's heart, and I do feel a connection with David. And as I said, he wrote much of the Psalms. So, with 150 chapters, how do you pick one? Well, the name of this sermon is At the Heart of It, which means I want to get to the core message of the Bible. So these are some more fun facts that I learned right here in this room a number of years ago from another former pastor, Pastor Greg. How many chapters are in the Bible? 1,188. Divide that by two, you get 594. If you start at Genesis 1 and count forward 594 chapters, you come to Psalm 118. If you count 594 more chapters, you come to the end of Exodus. Psalm 118 is literally in the heart of the Bible. Another fun fact that Psalm 118 is, just, is in between the shortest and the longest chapters in the Bible. Psalm 117 has just two verses. Psalm 119 has 176. Psalm 118 has 29 verses. So if you add a simple colon to 1188, you get Psalm 1188. Let's see what that says for us. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. And verse 9 goes with it. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than than to trust in princes. So some will say this is is the verse in the middle of the Bible. This is the core verse. And what a great message it gives us. Taking refuge is not a term that we uh, use a lot. It means to seek protection or shelter from danger or hardship. Seeking protection or shelter from danger or hardship. Does life have both danger and hardship? Absolutely. I've had seasons of both in my life. Now, some of my danger and hardship was self-inflicted, and some was not. It was from external forces. After all, we live in a very corrupt and broken world. I've had trouble with uh, finances. You know, there's more month than money. Trouble with careers. I think I've had three uh, jobs that Uh, were eliminated right out from under me. Relational issues, health issues, maybe you can relate. So where can we find protection and shelter? Well, of course, the Sunday school answer is from our connection with God. But what does that mean? How do we discover that we can take refuge in God? Well, I think God uses our entire life to teach us That our connection with Him is the source of peace, joy, and hope. I mean, isn't that ultimately what our life goals boil down to when you strip it all away? We're looking for ways to decrease the stress in our life, increase our meaning and purpose, and maximize our hope for the future. Let me ask you this How long does it take to learn the lesson that fire is hot? about a second, right? How long does it take to learn the lesson that God is the primary and true and lasting source of peace, joy, and hope? I feel I'm still learning, and I'm not getting any uh, younger. So think about it. How many things have you done just in the last several months to try to reduce the stress in your life? How many things have you done this year thinking, this is it. This is going to make us happy. This is going to make me happy. I can hear what I've told myself over the years. You know what, honey? We, we should go vacation in Hawaii. That's, that'll be perfect. If we could just add another 500 square feet to the house, it would be perfect. If I could just take a nap. If I could get promoted to manager, we would have it made. I could go on and on, and I'm sure you could too. Now, none of these things are bad, mind you, but is that where we really find our peace, joy, and hope? Do those things deliver? And if they do, how long does that effect last? I think our loving Father will keep pursuing us and teaching us until we are utterly convinced that sharing every aspect of our life with Him is where we can ultimately find rest. I confess that there have been seasons in my younger life when, I mean, I could go days without remembering that I was a follower of Christ. However, in this season, I'm trying to not go an hour remembering that. And I think this is the work that God is doing in my life and perhaps all of our lives. He's maximizing our mindfulness of Him. Maximizing our mindfulness of Him. And isn't that how He can be a refuge for us? So why does it say it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people? Well, there is a certain amount of protection and shelter we can get from other people. Parents are a good example of that, but they can't be there all the time. I remember our our oldest daughter said, I'm going to go across the street and and play uh, with the neighbors. Okay, have a good time. She climbed uh, with the neighbors to a 100-foot tree so they could look over the neighborhood. We had no idea. (laughs) What about friends? Well, you soon soon learn in life that friends uh, can let you down. That perfect spouse, well, it turns out I wasn't God's gift to Peggy after all. (laughs) What about your boss, that same person who hires you with the great new opportunity for the great new salary and benefits, several years later tells you about a downsizing that's coming? Let's face it, our fellow human beings only offer a fraction of the peace, joy, and hope we are looking for. It also says it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Princes represent the levels of uh, various levels of government, cities, states, the nation. Governmental figures, especially during election season, try really hard to say that their policies and their programs are going to provide peace for the country, peace for the city, joy, hope, all the things we look for. But we all know how that story plays out. We listen to the debates and the speeches and... I think that's all I'll say about that. (laughs) But I will say this, I have found this to be a good daily prayer. Father God, show me today how walking with you can provide relief from stress, true meaning and purpose, and a hope for tomorrow. Amen. Now, the accounting and engineer majors in the room might be saying the middle verse in the middle chapter is technically verse 15. I mean, that was a cute little thing you did with the the colon there, but there are 14 verses before verse 15 and 14 verses after verse 15. So thank God for the accountants and engineers. They did the math, and they have just helped us get to the heart of it. Verse 15 says... Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. There it is, the verse in the center of the Bible. This is the core message of the Bible, isn't it? And here we are talking about singing again. When we find salvation, we find a new sense and a new source of gladness. And our salvation comes from God. Providing our righteousness, not ourselves. That's why it says God's right hand is doing the work. Now, the the theological definition of salvation is deliverance from the power and penalty of sin, or in a word, redemption. If you redeem a coupon online or, or at a store, what happens? You turn in the coupon or the code and you get a value back. Well, for salvation, you turn in the work of Christ on the cross, and you get a value back, except that value is infinitely greater than the 10% you saved on that pair of shoes. This is another biblical concept that can take a long time to grasp. The default religion of the world is based on good deeds and bad deeds. I think this is the religion we're all born with. Many of the world's religions have some version of the golden rule, do unto others as you would want done to you. I mean, think about it, a follower of Islam would say that, a good Mormon, a Buddhist, even an atheist would believe in the the golden rule. And if you were to interview virtually anyone in the world and ask them one question, where do you find salvation to obtain an, an eternal reward of heaven with God after you die. Most will in some way talk about how your deeds get weighed by God. Uh, It's like God has a big scale in the sky and all the good deeds go on one side and all the bad deeds go on the other and you hope for the best. I mean, can you imagine that? You die and you meet God and the first thing you do is, well, you don't go into the home theater, you go into the heavenly theater and the, the, the screens are crystal clear high definition, and they're bigger than the ones at Costco, and you sit down with God. Now, he's got an incredible video editing system. So this movie is none of the boring parts. It's just all your actions, one right after the other. But this movie has subtitles, and those subtitles indicate the motives behind each and every action. The default religion of the world is frightening, isn't it? There's no hope in that. Religion is not something to take refuge in. Jesus, during his life on earth, essentially said to run from religion and run to the cross. Now, some religions teach that all roads lead to God. That actually is true. But before you get up and walk out, let me explain. Everybody in this life is on a journey. And in that journey, every road ends with a final appointment, a final meeting with God. But there's only one road that leads past God to the heavenly reward. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. When I have my appointment, there's only one response that I can make. And that's this. This is all I've got. That's all we all have. We are at the mercy of God's love. And that's why I want to end with one more verse from Psalm 118. In fact, it's such an important verse, the chapter opens and closes with it. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the message of both verse 1 and verse 29. Our God is a good Father, and we should be thankful because his love for us never runs out. But instead of me talking about the love of God, I'm gonna show you a lyric video of a song called I Am Loved by Mac Brock. In fact, Katie's going to teach us this song here at the close of the service. And I want you to pay close attention to the chorus. It says, There is no disappointment in your eyes. There is no shame. There is only pride. I am loved. Father, I'm loved by you. Can I invite you to make this your personal psalm today? It's just a few minutes, so let's watch it and then we'll close. Lord, how can there be no disappointment in your eyes? Don't you remember that I struggle with, uh, what about all the times? What about that June? The truth of the matter is that God doesn't need to watch a movie of our lives. He's here with us every step of the way. He sees everything. And despite that, he still says, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And he can say this because of what we read in Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We cannot fathom the love of God. It is truly amazing. And a love like this deserves a response. Some of us need to respond to this love for the first time and say, I want to place my trust in the love of God for when I have my final meeting. Is this you? Some of us need to get a fresh sense of God's love and have gratitude swell up in our life, so that thankfulness is what motivates us. Is that you? For others, we want God to do a deeper work in our life so that we can walk with him even more closely. Is this you? I mean, that's definitely me. I need God to continue to change my heart and be my strength, my refuge, and my salvation When my wife got cancer, I needed God to be my strength so I could support her. When my job was eliminated two weeks after coming home from our honeymoon, I desperately needed a refuge. When I needed to push back against temptations that were out to destroy me, I needed God to be my salvation. So if you said yes, that's me to any of those three questions, in a second, not now, but in a second, I'm going to ask us to stand and let Pastor Peter pray over us. Because I'm going to step right down here and stand because I absolutely need the prayer that Pastor Peter is going to pray. So if you said, yes, I need to trust in God's love, or yes, I need gratitude to be what motivates me more, or yes, I need God to do a deeper work, if this is you, please stand and I'll ask Peter to come now and pray.
1: God, we stand before you, not out of fear, but because you compel us with your love. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's your invitation to trust you that gives us the courage to step in faith towards you. So God, I pray for those of us on our feet this morning, pray for you to meet us exactly where we're at, Ron listed out some things that brought him to you in his life. And I know that each of us, we're standing in something today. I know we have something we're challenged by, something that is being worked through in our character, something that you have your finger on, maybe something that's causing us pain, something that we are suffering through. Maybe we're in a place where it's hard to trust you, hard to believe that you exist, hard to believe that you are reliable, hard to believe that you see and care. God, meet us today, we pray, right where we are. Help us to feel your embrace, your closeness, your love. Thank you for this word spoken over us today. Thank you for the truth that rings in our hearts. So, God, we look to you and we ask you, God, would you help us to know that we are loved? Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the hope. We look to you now together in the name of Jesus. Amen.